1: What's up, Dolphins? fans, and welcome into the Monday, August the 6th edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, another day down, another day closer to the first installment of Miami Dolphins football 2018 version. It's game week, but we first have to get you guys caught up on today's practice, Saturday's scrimmage, and the depth chart as well as unloading my personal notebook. But first, I kindly invite each and every one of you guys to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. We are now a top five podcast in the Locked On Network. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Tell us how you feel about the show, how we can improve it, what you like about it already. Give me a follow on Twitter. Vote the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter at Weekful NFL and the show at Locked And of course, the number one blog in the Locked On Network, LockedOnDolphins.com for all your daily written Dolphins content needs. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the new additions Locked On NFL Draft Podcast and the Draft Dudes Podcast, both part of the Draft Network, which are now a part of the Locked On Sports Network. And we are thrilled to have that fantastic addition to the team. All right, let's go ahead and get into some news from today's camp. All right! And the Mad Dog brings us in once again to the injuries and notes from camp today. Nothing new to report on that injury front. Will Hayes is still out. Jake Brendel and A.J. Derby all still out. Isaiah Ford is back and working in. And Marquise Gray is getting positive marks at his position at tight end back on the field. We'll cover that later in the show. But before we get into first down, let's cover a Adam Gaze comment that is a very Adam Gaze type comment at his presser today. And it goes back to the thought of the Frank Gore versus Kenyon Drake for the starting running back role, and Joe Shad asked him why he listed the running backs as co starters on the depth chart as he did on Sunday.
2: That said, what, what went into the decision to list it as an award? Just be an asshole.
1: just to be an asshole, as he is wont to do. As he talks to the media, and I'm sure he gets the same idea that I have from these guys in regards to their negativity, their lack of knowledge about the game, and those are the kind of responses a coach will give because talking football to someone that knows far, far, far less than you can become quite a chore, and for a football coach of a National Football League team, that's always going to be the case. I'm sure it just becomes painfully... Painfully dreadful as he does it every single day at the podium. So good for him for sticking that to the media guys there down in South Florida. And that will wrap it up for the injuries and updates from camp. Let's go ahead and move on to the next segment and talk about practice on the field today. That's another Miami Dolphins. So practice has come and gone. The ninth edition of Dolphins Camp 2018 style. And after a sloppy scrimmage on Saturday, it sounds like the offense has picked things back up. These are the traditional ebbs and flows of camp, if you will. The offense has a bad day, comes back, gets their ass chewed, comes out the next day and plays better, and the defense will do the exact same thing, ride the exact same wave. And all this stuff really turns out to be irrelevant. The reason I bring you guys a show every day on these topics is because... It is topical, it is football season, and there is value to be taken from this stuff in terms of what the energy of camp is, what the tempo at practice is, how guys are getting along with the new teammates, how the chemistry is developing, like with Ryan Tannehill and Danny Amendola, for instance. That has value. Ryan Tannehill to Mike Gasicki, that has value. Personnel groupings on offense, the rotation on the defensive line, these things have value, but these controlled practice environments where things are You know, there's going to be a pass play you call in one particular play. There might not be a check to a run they can go to there. So the offense is in a bad play and can't get out of it, and vice versa. I mean, the defense has an idea of what's coming. Just all of these reports from beat writers that are pounding their chest, talking about how they know that these things are going on a particular way. It's really just false bravado. And there's actually a great tweet out there from, I think it was Chris Perkins, and I forget the other beat writer that mentioned it, but they basically saw the exact same play and described it entirely different. One said that Kenny Stills didn't run the route the right way. The other one said that Ryan Tannehill overthrew him. So it's just the same bickering back and forth, and you probably saw some of those bickering from various beat writers trashing the team from that sloppy scrimmage, and it's the same usual suspects. Poor attendance for an 11 o'clock event in the morning, which is a very strange time to host that scrimmage. But whatever it was, you know who these guys are, the negative drum beaters, which is why I love the comment off the top from Gaze, read the running back's, And if you missed it, Salguero tweeted out a column where he wrote in June about Frank Gore being the starting running back. And now he's saying, I told you guys this was going to happen. I'm taking this first death chart and putting all my eggs into that basket. And all this is really, is just a veteran nod to Frank Gore, the veteran running back and letting him kind of have this moment in camp while also trying to keep Kenyon Drake hungry in the backfield and getting him to play the level that he played at the end of the year last year, because this is a guy that... You know, the message is to compete every single day. And if you just hand the job to a kid that self-admitted wasn't ready to play in primetime his first two years in the league, he had some growing up to do in the first couple of years, a kid that found himself in the doghouse previously because he wasn't getting his pass protection assignments correct and couldn't get on the field for more than three or four snaps a game prior to Jay Ajayi getting hurt. And then he also gets himself involved with that former diva hot-headed wide receiver that ultimately got him kicked out of the game in that Buffalo game. So without your receiver, without your running back in that week 17 game, Gaze did not like that. And I'm sure Drake has a long way to go to earn his stripes again after a very strong showing down the stretch, but keeping him hungry and paying respect to a longtime veteran. That is all this depth chart stuff is about. But speaking about the depth chart on the defensive side of the football, Torrey McTire, once again with the first team in today's practice. And part of that depth chart might be real because McTire was the number three corner on there, but the number two corner listed was Bobby McCain with McTire backing him or backing up Xavier Howard as the third cornerback. So I think that McCain is still in this competition to play on the outside in the base package. Then when you go into Nickel, you kick him inside, you bring on. Cordrea Tankersley or Tory McTyre onto the field to play the perimeter as McCain kicks inside a very simple process, a Chris Harris-like process with the Denver Broncos. And it happened last year in Miami towards the end of the year. It could easily happen again. And McCain, for my money, is the best corner on the Dolphins roster outside of maybe Xavier Howard, depending on how that thing shakes out and how his progress goes forward. I've heard Tony Lippett's name throughout the summer from fans, but I think he has a better chance of being cut outright than actually starting for this team. A very stiff not fluid movement type of guy. He tracks the ball well, had some nice picks in 2016, but for the most part, he doesn't really fit the athleticism and the mold at the position for the Dolphins at corner on the outside there. So those are the only real surprises on the depth chart. That and a certain tight end listed fifth behind a couple of other names that were really egregious. We're going to cover that in the next segment in the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. But first, a word from our friends over at Nordic Track the masters of the in-home gym system and when you have a gym in your own house you don't have to leave get down to the gym drive down there check in grab your towel get into the locker room get changed take a shower at someone else's building all the convenience of working out in your own home can be had with nordic track they have a series of training equipment to give you amazing workouts in the convenience of your own home including treadmills exercise bikes incline trainers, strength trainers, and much, much more. You can enjoy high-energy streamed workouts any time of day without even stepping out your door. And best of all, you can join those stream workouts in both studios and exotic destinations around the world if you want to have a run on the streets of Paris and finish it out running through the African Safari, you are more than welcome to do so. Workouts are led by the world's top personal trainers to ensure you meet your fitness goals. And for a special time only, we have an offer for Locked On listeners to get $75 off your NordicTrack purchase by visiting nordictrack.com slash locked on and using the offer code locked on. Again, visit NordicTrack, that's N-O-R-D-I-C-T-R-A-C-K.com slash locked on and use offer code locked on during checkout to save $75 Picking things back up here in segment two, continuing off that last point, in segment number one, talking about the tight ends and Micah Siki, most notably being listed as the fifth tight end on the depth chart behind Gavin Escobar, behind Thomas Duarte, and obviously behind both A.J. Derby and Marquise Gray, but for the most part, that feels like motivation or like, once again, a tip to the veterans, a tip of the cap to those guys, as Minka Fitzpatrick is actually still a second team safety, according to the depth chart. So, I don't buy it because I think that you look at what the makeup of this roster is, and I talked about it on Twitter earlier today, how I think that 12 personnel could be almost the base package for this team, and a very good tweet from our friend Maddie Infante uh, on Twitter He mentioned on a tweet of mine, he retweeted it and said that Ryan Tannehill's passer rating out of 12 personnel is 112.5, I think it was. A very solid passer rating, a a Pro Bowl-type passer rating, even close to an MVP rating in those packages. And that 12 personnel package, if you have Mike Kosicki and Marquise Gray, that package is universally split across all different packages and what I mean by that is you can line up with 12 personnel you can go double Y on the same side of the formation with the tight ends you can split them across the formation and just go a straight traditional lineup that way you can flex out Gasicki and turn it immediately into 11 personnel with Marquise Gray as a tight end Mike Gasicki as a wide receiver or you can put Marquise Gray in the backfield with Kenyon Drake or or Frank Gore, or whoever it is, and all of a sudden you have 21 personnel with Mike Gasicki as the inline tight end, and then the two receivers out wide, whoever it may be, Kenny Stills, Jakeem Grant, Albert Wilson, Danny Amendola, Nonetheless, you have so much flexibility in that group. And I just think that the ultimate idea is to create deception and to give the defense more to think about than they really want to have to handle from the offense. And you give them that many looks, they're going to have to check into certain things. And there's going to be mismatches because you come out with that personnel package, then you can go ahead and throw the ball against a base defense, getting a a matchup like Mike Gasecki on a smaller cornerback or even a safety, whatever it may be. Something that gives you a matchup in your favor and then also if they come out and they want to put a nickel package onto the field against that package you have, you can just line up and run the football with Marquise Gray being the point man and being your lead blocker ahead of Kenyon Drake. So, so much versatility, so much they can do with that. Another reason I'm not all that concerned about a stupid scrimmage where the quarterback is back for his first time in almost two years and they're not going to run anything exotic and try to put too much on tape for people that might have been taking video and whatnot there. So, the scrimmage was sloppy. There was too many pre-snap penalties. That's something we definitely have to clean up and have to see get better because it has been a problem for a couple of years now and if you commit a five-yard penalty before the ball's even snapped, you're obviously behind the eight ball immediately. Ryan Tannehill spoke after the scrimmage on Saturday. I thought his words were... He seems to be a little bit more outgoing, a little bit more open in terms of being vocal and being a guy that can articulate his thoughts. He's gotten better at that, but still, once again, I thought he was a little bit too passive in his message, saying that they didn't take a step forward, but they didn't go backwards either, and it's like he was three for six for 22 yards, and maybe that has to do with the idea they were trying to kind of take it easy on Tannehill and just ease him back into things, and like I said, not put too much out there in terms of variety and different exotic looks, so... Look, make no mistake about it. The camp or the practice was sloppy. It wasn't good. They have things to get cleaned up. And I think Tannehill. If it continues in that direction, especially the pre-snap penalties, I just want to see him like reach out and grab a face mask and get in somebody's face and get things corrected. Because if the quarterback won't stand for it, the players won't stand for it either. And flipping over to the other side of the football, the guy that was giving Tannehill problems, who had a couple of sacks in the scrimmage, Charles Harris, I think, is trending in a direction that most Dolphins fans might not be aware of. I talked about Armando Salguero's reply, in regards to Charles Harris or Robert Quinn's acquisition being a indictment of Charles Harris, which is just complete bullshit. But Harris coming on his second year wouldn't be that big of a surprise, considering how close he was last year. But he talked to the media about his rookie year compared to what this year is, and he said some really enlightening things in regards to kind of losing his love for the game in his rookie year because he felt like everything was going down a checklist and just checking off boxes of things you have to take care of, just a stressful type of environment. But now he he feels free. He said he refound his love for the game again, and he's playing just happy to be on the field, be out on that grass. He mentioned the grass at Dolphin Stadium right now, or Hard Rock Stadium, I should say, is better than it was last year. So that's a good note. But just talking about things that he has done to get back into his mold of loving the game. He said that he has a variety of pass rush moves he can go to, but you really only need two or three to be effective in this league. And he's working on those and really honing in on those particular moves. So Charles Harris had a very nice conversation with the media. And speaking of his defensive line mates, That defensive line that Gaze talked about at his presser today, his press conference after practice, that he feels like he has eight guys they feel good about rotating through that defensive line rotation, which leaves me wondering who the odd man out in that group is because you have four defensive tackles. Devon Godshaw, Akeem Spence, Jordan Phillips, and Vincent Taylor are all going to play a lot. Cam Wake, Robert Quinn, Charles Harris, and William Hayes are all going to play a lot. And maybe he's talking about William Hayes being hurt right now, but Andre Branch would be the ninth guy on that list. And he's... You know, he's a guy that makes a lot of money, played a lot in 2016, played a lot last year, but maybe he finds himself on the back seat of things or the back burner of things as we head into 2018. All right, this team has one more practice before the bolts become live on Thursday. We'll unpack next week's schedule next on Locked On Dolphins Podcast at weekly NFL and at Locked On Fins
2: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: As I record this episode, we are roughly 78 hours away from the dolphins first kickoff of 2018 the return of ryan Tannehill, our friend at bleed aqua and orange going to the game courtesy of locked on dolphins your number three under adam gaze and another opportunity for the Dolphins to change the narrative, which is only going to grow every time you hear something negative, and it's just the same people we've talked about. I mentioned Armando Salguero for, what, the third time on the podcast now. He's being uber negative over the scrimmage on Saturday. Of course, the same guy that thinks that trading for Robert Quinn is, in fact, an indictment of Charles Harris because, you know, most teams only want to have two pass rushers, and they don't want to have three or four because that's just too many to have to get onto the field, of course. Again, Omar is obviously one of those guys, but another one is that Evan Silva turd over from Roto World, I think it is, and these fantasy writers become beyond irritating when they try to dip their toe into actual football talk, and that's what he has done several times this offseason. He doubled down on his off season hate using that scrimmage as evidence, which I find hilarious because you know he didn't actually see one play for himself, just retweeting stuff that Armando Salguero writes out. So these writers, you know, every time something bad happens, they're going to just continue to pile onto it. So the dolphins hopefully can change that narrative a bit on Thursday with the game. And enough with trashing these riders already, we have a busy week ahead of the show, getting ready for the game, and tomorrow is the final day of practice before Thursday's game, so tomorrow's show will be just like this one, a 1 o'clock Eastern release time covering the day of practice, getting you guys caught up on all the day's events around the Miami Dolphins. And then Wednesday is going to be a special episode, there is no practice, so not a lot to talk about on that day, we're going to have a very special guest on the podcast to talk about some early 2000s Miami Dolphins football. And then Thursday will be all about the game that night. And then Friday, we'll recap everything from the preseason opener with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And all three of those shows, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, are going to be back on the regularly scheduled time of first thing in the morning. You guys wake up, that podcast will be there for you guys. So we'll break down the game, talk about expected snap counts, talk about who's going to play where, and everything you need to know for the game. And then Friday, wrap it all up with a film review and everything we did last year in season on the podcast that made us into the household name we are today. But as for today's podcast, that is going to do it for the show. You guys, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review once you are there. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter at Wingful NFL. Follow the show at Lockdown fins and keep up to date on our Dolphins blog at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your Monday. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.